It has to do with the city. The city, until now, has come into everything, almost everything I have done. And when I say the city, I speak as that most provincial of people, a New York person, born here, having grown up here, having played on these streets, in these parks, having the lights and the stone and the water, and most of all, the people of this city come into everything I have been and have done. That is, until now, because it seems to me that at this moment in this city, we ha may have reached a new place. For me, growing up and beginning to write, everything I knew was connected somehow with the building of the city. And this for private reasons, because my family, my father and everything he did, was connected with the building of the city, with the pouring of it, with the making of buildings and roads and bridges, with the riveting of the steel skeletons, and with the men who built with the hard hats. For me as a little girl, the most exciting, enchanting thing was perhaps the throwing of a rivet to be caught by another man in a tin can. And this was a simple human game that was at the bottom of the making of a building. Now this comes into poems of mine, the sense of pouring, the sense of what is called the stone of the city, which is so largely now concrete. The pouring of the city, the pouring of the river, what has gone into it, what purities, what impurities, and the enormous strength and excitement. Now this is very curious for a child, for a girl, for somebody who growing up begins to see how people in and people out in my terms. Then it was Christians and Jews. Later it was black men and women, Spanish-speaking men and women, and far behind us all, the Indians who left their traces in certain parks, in certain names, but who were never spoken of. And the things that are never spoken of in this city has, have to do very often with the life of poetry. What is underneath this? What we all know, what eyes we look into on the streets, what never comes into our homes, what we go out to find, the silences, the enormous roar, and the city is marvelous when it roars, and the city can be a horror when it roars, and what is underneath that roaring, and what is underneath that silence. And of that, I would hope to make my poems. Now this is a very curious thing for a girl growing up in an enormous city. I remember once at school when we had one of those association tests that everybody has, and the phrase, the name that was given was New York. And people said big, people said high, 
people said stone. I didn't say any of these. I said home. And there was the sense that my own father was involved with the building of it and that the men he talked to were doing the muscle and steel building of it. And that I secretly then could have something to do with the making of it by dealing with the understanding of feeling or the way that the feeling gets into our muscles, our rhythms, our words, our sleeping and waking, our heartbeat, the movement of our lungs, the involuntary muscles, all the subtle rhythms that are these things playing against each other with meaning because the words could carry meaning. The throwing of the rivet could too. But this verbal meaning, this possibility of moving in toward something that was in itself a figure of discovery, a poem, was what I became more and more about. This poem is called Song. It's a short one. A voice flew out of the river as morning flew out of the body of night. A voice sending out from the night of the sleeping morning. A voice in its own voice, naked, made of the whole body and the whole life, but without anything. Breath. Breath of the fire. Love. Smoke of the poems, voices. My one listener, you listening to this voice now, who are you? What is your face like, your hands holding the pages, the child forsaken in you, who now listens through all of you at what comes from this voice? Let me tell some of the childhood elements that have come into these poems, into this night with its intense sidelong moon, which they wish to explore, and the fast sea fog flying over the city. Is it fog? Is it smog? Is it like any force to heal or to damage us beyond repair? This brilliant day with its unique New York light in the streets and parks, its light shed down to the bay, so strong that one might think it would be shed across the country to the red bridge on the other coast. The hours sloping again to evening. When I come to say these words to you, the curious thing is that whatever I wrote in early life has come true, or is beginning to come true. The death of the lover, the son, the secret wound, the homesickness for New York, the reconciliation with everything evaded, the war that nobody speaks about, even the poems that would lead to poems, and the moments of illumination followed by immeasurable setback, the Red Sea, always followed by the desert, 
That garden is the future. It comes as questioning. The early days in the city, stone, water, light, but also the steep slope down to the river, the cattle cars bellowing in soft-colored morning, the water truck slanting a fountain hard on the Black Avenue, sledding down snow on the slope, the sand quarries of my father, raw and yellow in the country, and the sand brought in to a hill at 50th Street on the river from which new buildings would be poured. The first public day when crowds filled the streets, they kissed each other and seemed to cry. I went out, I was a little girl, I took a drum. It was a hard pleasure to beat that drum. The old lady walked down the center of the traffic lane in Broadway. We could all walk in the streets. I looked at her. She was crying. My father and mother were out. Paper rained down. That day was the day of the false armistice. They celebrated the end of the war, but the war was not yet over. And in a way, that false peace has hung over me in the city as the dirigible, the Graf Zeppelin, hung much later. And as on my way to this studio, the enormous shadow of the 747 seemed to fill the street and the sound filled the sky and it was as if a city flew over. Now that city has its reservoir in this city. And here, so many voices have come through since that day of false armistice. And in curious ways, the things that we want now, the things that we speak for, the things that we speak to each other for, seem to have had their seeds in that early beginning. The city, the river, the children, the people walking down the streets, the sense of false armistice, the men who built. The men who built and very often seem not to care about the other things. I remember sayings in my family's rooms, harsh sayings because it was a time of lies, as today is a time of lies that there were lies, and one took what opening there was, that every man had his price, things that I came later not to believe in, to want to reach other people across. So that there were ideas of building, ideas of making, ideas of a peace that would not be a flaccid, letting go peace, but a fierce peace that would let us use our intensity for the things we care about, to look into the faces, to look into the bodies of the black people, to receive what was given us fully and to make response, even to make response in poems 
although that seemed very peculiar to many people then. It doesn't seem peculiar to people now, partly because the definition of poetry has changed. And these notes, these flashes of perception, of intimacy, of what a child suddenly can see, can be poems. And this thing, how can a girl reach the poets of this? How can a girl reach the poets of New York? Think of them, the great ones, Whitman, Hart Crane. This is curious for a girl because there is this other thing that was not spoken much, but it was true that their deep excitements were not about women. And that one was a girl growing up to be a woman and how to be a person in New York, how to be one who walks down these streets. This is from a group of poems, starting off with a specific moment in New York, that extraordinary moment when in a building that was supposed to be fireproof, a painting that was all water and light and flowers burned, and it was so clearly an emblem of everything we were going through. The group is called Water Lily Fire. It takes off from the burning of the painting by Monet, one of the great water lily paintings at the Museum of Modern Art. And does one say museum? Does one say that kind of shattering? I've taken off in this second section about another aspect of the city. This is section two of Water Lily Fire. It's called The Island. Born of this river and this rock island, I relate the changes. I born when the whirling snow rained past the general's grave and the amiable child, white past the windows of the house of Jip the Blood, general, gangster, child. I know in myself the island. I was the island without bridges, the child down whose blazing eye the men of plumes and bone raced their canoes and fire among the building of my young childhood houses. I was those changes, the live darknesses of wood, the pale grain of a grove in the fields over the river, fronting red cliffs across, and always surrounding her the river, bird cries, the wild father building his sand, the mother in panic, her parks, bridges were thrown across. The girl arose from sleeping streams of change in the change city, the violent forgetting, the naked sides of darkness, fountain of a city in growth, an island of light and water, snow striking up past the graves, the yellow cry of spring. Whatever can come to a city can come to this city. I see the city change like a man changing. I love this man with my lifelong body of love. 
I know you among your changes. Wherever I go, hearing the sounds of building, the syllables of wrecking, a young girl watching the man throwing red-hot rivets, coals in a bucket of change. How can you love a city that will not stay? I love you like a man of life in change. Leaves like yesterday shed, the yellow of green spring like today accepted and become oneself. I go, I am a city with bridges and tunnels, rock, cloud, ships, voices. To the man where the river met the tracks, now buried deep along the drive, where blossoms like sex, pink, dense pink, rose, pink, red. Towers falling, a dream of towers, necessity of fountains, and the poor stirring among our dreams, poor of my own spirit and tribes, hope of towers and lives, looking out through my eyes. The city, the growing body of our hate and love, the root of the soul and war in its black doorways, a male sustained cry interrupting nightmare, male flower heading upstream. Among a city of light, the stone that grows, stigma of dead stone, inert water, the tattered monuments riveted against flesh, blue noon where the wall made big agonized men stand like sailors pinned howling on their lines, and I see stopped in time a crime behind green glass, lilies of all my life on fire, flash faith in a city building its fantasies. I walk past the guards into my city of change. Even though there has been a great deal to protest in all of this life in New York, there has been more to make, and I myself would hope to go making, to live as an artist, a poet, and wherever I protest, to make something, to make a poem. Wherever we walk in protest, to seed the length of that walk to build buildings wherever we cannot stand what is being built, to make life new where it is corroded and polluted and made filth. I think of myself as a violent woman who tries every day to be nonviolent one more day. This poem is called This Morning. Waking this morning, a violent woman in my full violence laughing. Past the line of memory along your long body in which move childhood, youth, your whole life of touch, eyes, lips, chest, belly, sex, legs, to the waves of the sheet. I look past the little plant on the city windowsill to the tall book-shaped 
towers, the river flashing, moving, corroded, the intricate harbor, the seas, the wars, the moons and planets, and all who people space in the sun, visible and invisible, African violets in the light, breathing. I want strong peace and delight. I want to make my touch poems, to find my morning among the anti-touch people. I say across the waves of the air to you, today, once more, this morning, I will try to be non-violent one more day. Of course, that was invisible and not invisible. I would like to read a poem I thought I would never write. I worked for a time in East Harlem in the heat of a blistering summer when there was fighting in the streets and one wanted very much to leave at the end of the day. And this is the bitterness that white people leave at the end of the day. And I, who did not live there, put off leaving. I went to a hot dog stand. Did you say stop? I went to a hot dog stand across the street and I saw something very curious. There were the two tanks, the two machines that we always have, each with one word on it. One said orange, one said grape. This is the ballad of orange and grape. After you finish your work, after you do your day, after you've read your reading, after you've written your say, you go down the street to the hot dog stand, one block down and across the way on a blistering afternoon in East Harlem in the 20th century. Most of the windows are boarded up, the rats run out of a sack. Sticking out of the crummy garage, one shiny long Cadillac at the glass door of the drug addiction center, a man who would like to break your back. But here's a brown woman with a little girl dressed in rose and pink, too. Frankfurters, Frankfurters sizzle on the steel where the hot dog man leans. Nothing else on the counter but the usual two machines, the grape one empty and the orange one empty. I face him in between. A black boy comes along, looks at the hot dogs, goes on walking. I watch the man as he stands and pours in the familiar shape, bright purple in the one marked orange, orange in the one marked grape, the grape drink in the machine marked orange, and orange drink in the grape. Just the one word, large and clear, unmistakable on each machine. I ask him, how can we go on reading and make sense out of what we read? How can they write and believe what they're writing, the young ones across the street, while you go on pouring grape into orange and orange into one marked grape? How are we going to believe what we read and we write and we hear and we say and we do? Well, could you hold... I'll begin from where I was.
He looks at the two machines and he smiles and he shrugs and smiles and pours again. It could be violence and nonviolence. It could be white and black, women and men. It could be war and peace or any binary system, love and hate, enemy, friend, yes and no, be and not be, what we do and what we don't do. On a corner in East Harlem, garbage, reading, a deep smile, rape, forgetfulness, a hot street of murder, misery, withered hope. A man keeps pouring grape into orange and orange into the one marked grape, pouring orange into grape and grape into orange forever. I will finish with this last poem called Bringing. Bringing their life, these young, bringing their life, rise from their wakings, bringing their life, come to a place where they make their gifts. The grapes of life, of death, of transformation, round they hang at hand, desires like peace, or seed of revolutions that make all things new and must be lived out, washed in rivers, and themselves made new, and bringing their life, the young they reach, in their griefs, their mistakes, their discovering, bringing their life, they touch, they take, bringing their life, they come to a place. It is raining fire, they are bringing their life. Their sex speaks for them, their ideas all speak, their acts arrive, bringing their life entire. They resist a system of wars and rewards. They offer their open faces, they offer their bodies, they offer their hands, bringing their life entire, they offer their life. They are their own gifts, make life, resist, resist, make life. Bringing their life entire, they come to this moment. Bringing their life entire, they come to this place.